1: Well, Bruce, I think the entire Star Trek world is abuzz with the latest news that we got this past weekend. Man, a new Star Trek series on the way. Star Trek Strange New
2: Worlds. Where were you when you first heard about this? (laughs) Oh, really? We have to start (laughs) off like that. (laughs) I was... I was working with attorneys on a phone for several hours going through contracts for various reasons. I won't get into it, but yeah, I was doing my job and six hours later after the announcement came out, oh, there's a new Star Trek series because I saw in my messenger groups with you and other people. Not even coming out and saying it, just saying, I'm so happy, and oh, this is such great news. I'm like, what are they talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Why is everybody so happy today?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, I found out pretty much around the same time everyone else did when social media started exploding. And I'm almost happy for you that you didn't know while you were working because, you know, you couldn't really do anything or say anything about it because you're busy working, right? So... No, yeah. it's, it's probably a good thing.
2: Oh, it's definitely a good thing. I mean, I won't get into what I've been dealing with for the last few weeks, but in my job, I've been spending hours upon hours, sometimes even into the evening, on the phone with attorneys and executives at my company and the other company, and we're just working through some things. And I mean, we're really spending the almost the whole day i'm on the phone non-stop for like six hours sometimes to the point that i'm like i really got to go to the bathroom or i really need something to eat you know <laughs> yeah if this news would have come out during that i would not have been able to focus on my job
1: oh for sure and, and
2: yesterday was that day that we were doing this was a big day you know be- uh, of, of what we were negotiating so i would have been like screw it fine take it yeah we agree to that just we got a new star trek series coming people Come on, who cares? Not the,
1: not the best position to be negotiating from, I think. No. <laughs> That's
2: probably a good thing. I'm weak right now. Ask for anything. I'll agree to it. Just let me go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're listening to Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther, and with me, of course, is Bruce Gibson. And as you can tell, we're giddy as all heck about the new Star Trek series recently announced by CBS And we will be talking about that in today's episode. That, of course, is the biggest news story that we're dealing with right now. However, there was also some other small pieces of news that we wanted to get to, most notably about Star Trek Discovery. And we're, of course, patiently waiting for season three. There's been hiccups with that with regards to the whole COVID-19 crisis and, and delays and getting... Some post production done. And one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks back was the music. Jeff Russo, the composer of the music for Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard, has said their biggest challenge was getting the orchestra together to record the music for the show. There's been some recent comments on Facebook by Jeff Russo that I think are really interesting. It seems one of the things you suggested, Bruce, and some other people online have suggested that they do the music remotely and then combine it is actually something they're doing now with regards to putting together the score for season three.
2: Yeah, I've seen other people do this online where, you know, they're musicians that are in a band or something and they put something together. Even our church has been doing stuff like that and it sounds great and it works really well. And to do this with a full orchestra is going to be a lot more time consuming to bring everybody together into one like that. But it, it sounds like it's something that will work well. I don't know exactly how it's going to sound. I mean, I think it will sound fine. I think it'll sound good. But it's just, you know, it's, it's different than being in a big uh, studio area where you, you have the full orchestra in. So I'm curious to know how this will play out. But I'm glad that they're doing it this way because I don't want to wait forever. For season three, yeah, agreed, and it it does sound like quite the process. I I like this
1: quote from Jeffrey. So he's saying it's kind of like a puzzle. What we are doing is we are recording individual session players from here in Los Angeles who are fantastic and mostly people I've used on the Star Trek scores and Picard scores and Umbrella Academy scores. So we will record each individual in their home and then combine all of it to make the orchestra so we don't have to put everybody in the same room. It's not an ideal situation, but it is working. We were very hopeful at the beginning that it is going to work and started small. We started with four, then we started with eight. So when we got to eight people, we went to 10. And now we're up to about 26 people, and then hopefully we'll get to 35 or 40. What a gargantuan undertaking. And uh, yeah, that's got to be a little nerve-wracking because it's definitely not how it's usually done.
2: (laughs) No, and I also think it'd be very daunting because you have to get those musicians in the right environment in their homes or wherever they're doing this from. Because, you know, the acoustics in the different room settings that people could be in, the sound could be different. What recording software is that musician using? Do they have it on the right settings? You know, are they going to get these files from different people or different levels? Are they just going to I I don't think they would record them live through the internet because i don't Mm -hmm. think you're gonna get the full uh rich sound quality because that's what we do here on the podcast we record our own audio and put together as opposed to just recording it through the internet but at the same time you know these musicians have to be also be careful not to have other sound in the background you know an air conditioning unit a car driving by kids in the house whatever it is so i mean that's daunting just to get the recording let alone now putting it all together Yeah,
1: absolutely. With regards to the equipment, I've got to imagine that they're probably sending or using some sort of standard system uh, with all of the uh, musicians. But yeah, all those other things that you're talking about, like all of those things come together to make a lot of issues that, you know, are are things that they've never had to deal with recording in a studio with an orchestra. So it's, it's some unprecedented times for these shows for sure yeah because many
2: of these people probably don't have recording equipment to your point or if they have some kind of microphone like we use for podcasts it's not necessarily what you want to use if you're playing the cello um or whatever instrument you're playing so you're right they may be sending equipment in a certain setup which that's even time consuming because you got to take it to one home then you got to take to another home and it's just you know day after day after day it certainly is an interesting process i'd like to see a behind the scenes look at this one day that what they did in post-production for Star Trek Discovery for season three during the COVID-19 crisis.
1: I never thought about that. Like, I bet you there's going to be some really interesting behind the scenes features on the season three Blu-ray.
2: So, man, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. There might not be a lot of footage to see because, you know, not everybody's supposed to be near near each other. So, <laughs> But even, yeah, these guys
1: just sitting around talking about what it was like in the process, that would be... That would be kind of a really cool time capsule about this very strange era that we're all living
2: through right now. Even for Lower Decks, like, you know, I'd like to see how they're dealing with things right now to get that series going.
1: Well, the other thing, of course, besides Discovery Season 3 and Lower Decks that we're looking forward to is, of course, the brand new announced Star Trek Strange New Worlds television series If you haven't heard about this, I'm not sure where you've been living because my social media has certainly been blowing up about it. Of course, this is the long-anticipated Captain Christopher Pike series set aboard the USS Enterprise, taking place, quote, in the decade before Kirk takes command of the Enterprise. So, set somewhere in that period. We don't know exactly when yet, if it'll be before Discovery or after Discovery, I'm thinking probably after Discovery, but regardless, we've got Anson Mount reprising his role as Captain Pike. We've got Rebecca Romaine reprising her role as Commander Una, or number one, and of course, Ethan Peck as Spock. So, wow. What an amazing piece of news. What a great gift to get as Star Trek fans.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of fans, have, of course, have been asking for this, and I had a good feeling that we probably were going to get something, uh, whether it had been a movie on streaming services, I, I wasn't expecting in theaters, but, you know, whether it was going to be in that format or a limited series or something to that effect, I wasn't sure, but I felt like we were going to get something because, you know, when we go in, went into season two of Discovery there was so much hype from fans about Pike and number one and Spock in that. And we saw the bridge of the enterprise and people were like, we want more, we want more. And the reception to these characters was so great. And so many people were just wanting to see more of these characters. And then they started doing short treks and devoted almost the majority of the short treks to these characters, or at least half of those short treks in that season. So and they've been saying well you know we're entertaining the idea we're considering it we're talk- we're talking possibly to and i'm like okay this is all sounds like something that they're going to w- want to move forward with i can't imagine they're going to say it's a great idea but and everybody wants it and it's been doing well even on short treks but nah forget about it we're not even going to bother considering it so it's not a big surprise to me mm-hmm. but yeah i'm ex- i'm excited to see uh, this come out because i think it's going back to the old school star trek
1: yeah definitely and i mean like you say not a huge surprise since those like early days where kurtzman at a uh, convention would you know ask the crowd who wants a pike series Right. <laughs> and everybody would start cheering you're not going to be doing that if you don't have something in the works because you can't build up that hype and then say well i guess that, that's too bad we're not doing something like that hmm Darn, you know, <laughs> uh, I feel really happy for the people who are working on the show, such as the actors who are finally able to talk about it on social media. I noticed Rebecca Romaine was tweeting. She's like, oh, I can finally talk about this. I don't have to keep quiet when people are asking me. And I'm sure they they were getting questions all the time about this stuff and just kind of having to keep silent about it.
2: Yeah, I'm sure they're just like, yeah, I mean, that would be great. I'd love to do that. You know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I'm sure that's what the- <laughs> they kept saying over and over again. I wonder if they called up Ewan McGregor to get tips on on how to do that. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you brought that up because, and I'm not going into a whole Star Wars thing because people know that I'm also a Star Wars fan, but my my problem with that franchise and even this one is we've had announcements before about things and then it goes quiet and sometimes you never hear about it again. I don't think that's going to happen with Strange New Worlds because it sounds like they're pretty far into this. I mean, they haven't started filming, but to release a video about it with the actors. And I mean, this, and it sounds like they've already started planning things and they're moving forward with something. And then they're getting ready to launch production right after COVID 19. I feel confident about it. But, you know, things like you're saying, you McGregor, about like the Obi Wan series, I mean, they made a big announcement and we haven't heard anything for months. And then you start to go, maybe it's not happening because remember with Star Trek, we were told that, you know, there was an announcement a couple years ago. We're getting a Starfleet Academy series. I haven't heard anything since we're getting a con mini series. Haven't heard anything since then. You know, Mm -hmm. we've heard about Section 31, but I'm even starting to doubt is I don't know if that's going to happen because I've stopped hearing anything about it. And it sounds like this series is going to happen before that one.
1: Yeah, I. I don't know about that. This, this is, it sounds like this might be further along than that. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's, it's definitely frustrating. There is of course a long development period for television shows and I've got to think that's even been exacerbated with COVID-19, but these delays and these, you know, long periods of silence precede even that. So it, it definitely does get frustrating.
2: It does, and it's the same with the movies. I mean, how many times have we heard since Star Trek Beyond has come out director announcements and and different... I mean, we've gone through at least three that I can think of off the top of my head of a new Star Trek movie that's coming out that hasn't happened. I guess what I'm saying is, and I've said this before on other podcasts, to me, a series or a movie isn't happening until they say action on a set. But I feel confident that this probably is happening. But if this was just a announcement of, Hey, like we're going to do this in a couple years and we have to hire a cast or, you know, and they're starting from scratch. I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll wait and see if that happens or not.
1: Well, th- with this one, we do know that like the premiere episode has been written. Uh, it's written by Akiva Goldsman and story by Akiva Goldsman, Jenny Lamette and Alex Kurtzman. So, you know, they have scripts, they have the cast, they have sets, you know, as I'm assuming they haven't been torn down from discovery because that would be the most ridiculous decision ever. But yeah, no, it sounds like this is definitely going to go ahead. And one thing that I mentioned on the live show we did last night, last night, relative to when we're recording this. So we're recording this on Saturday. We just got the news about the show yesterday. Uh, And something I've seen online from other people that I just love is, you know, over 50 years ago. Gene Roddenberry presented an idea in the form of a pilot called Star Trek with Captain Christopher Pike, First Officer Number 1, played by Majel Barrett, and Science Officer Spock. And the network said, we don't like it, change some things... And that's how we got the original series with Kirk and McCoy and Spock and all of them. But now over 50 years later, that same concept with those same characters, Pike, number one, Spock on the Enterprise, that's the series that's being greenlit today. So it's like Gene Roddenberry's original concept for Star Trek is finally getting greenlit over half a century later. Like that's got to set a record for the length of time between a series proposal and it getting picked up
2: yeah if i remember correctly there was a pilot done after the superman series in the 50s that involved a super dog and i don't know if it was krypton crypto or whatever but yeah you should look at that footage sometime maybe there's still hope for that series one day to go take off the ground i don't know but you never know i mean (laughs) this is precedent setting (laughs) but it is it's really fascinating as Spock would say, I mean, we've come full circle, you know, in that period of time, you're going back to the original pilot, which like you said, wasn't picked up, which then they created another pilot, which didn't involve the same characters except for Spock and has continued on. I mean, not just, not just the idea of the pilot being used all these years later, but just Star Trek in general is so huge. And how, I mean, it's, so different from most things that have ever been on television. And I'm just thinking about Larry Nemechek because he talks about this stuff all the time. But it's like, you know, a series that lasted three seasons and then finds new life in syndication. And from that comes an animated series, which wins an Emmy, which comes from that theatrical movies, which comes from that more series, not just a spinoff series, but multiple spinoff series, series that are used to developed first run syndication programming that model in the 80s first one to you know a series that launches a new network called upn which is now the cw and now i mean all these years later a series that was you know a series that helped launch an online service as cbs all access and it's like now we're getting multiple series all at once and we've come full circle to the original pilot after all these years of creating a series based off of that, that whole, I mean, the whole story of star Trek itself, not in universe, but out of universe is the most interesting thing to happen in the television industry. I mean, I, 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 I love television history. I study it. I, I read all about it and star Trek is just so different from most things. It's incredible what this franchise has been able to accomplish.
1: That's amazing. Like just, Laying it all out like that and really thinking about this 54-year history now, 56 if you count development. It's incredible the places that this franchise has taken us and the, the things that it has accomplished. I, I can't imagine like going back in time and seeing Gene Roddenberry first making his pitch and just knowing what would grow out of that. That's incredible. That's so cool.
2: And it's interesting to me how like it always seems to be science fiction and fantasy that have these opportunities. I mean, Doctor Who is another example, and of course that's science fiction. Yeah, you don't see things like this in a series like you know an older series like you know The West Wing. I mean, The West Wing was very popular, and I'm mentioning that one because my wife has been binge watching it, and she just finished it. Which, by the way, that was a rewatch for her, but. You know, it's not like we're getting all these West Wing spin-offs, West Wing movies, West Wing novels and comics. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't get that from, you know, comedy series. We're not getting, you know, the Big Bang Theory movie and, and novels and all these things, you know, it's like and they're not like going on forever. I mean, I Love Lucy was one of the biggest shows of the 50s when television started. And it's still running in syndication and is continuing on in popularity to this day. You know, younger generations even know of I Love Lucy, not as prominently as some older gem- generations, but because it's still on TV to this day. But again, we're not getting I Love Lucy spinoffs and, and all these other novels and movies, you know. But when it comes to science fiction and fantasy, that the, that genre just seems to really take off into into life of its own that continues over time and just continues to grow and build and build and build. And I mean, just look at the Marvel movies and the theaters. It's like, it's just incredible. The the amount of money and the people it brings into theater. And these are people that don't read comic books. These are people that never heard of Thor before or Iron Man before, but they all come out in droves to watch these movies. But if you ask them, if they're science fiction people, they probably say no, and I'm not a comic book person or anything like that, but they all go to those movies. You know, there's just something about the genre that really connects with people.
1: Yeah, I mean, science fiction and fantasy definitely do a lot to spark the imagination. And I think that really allows for it to go places, to go different places that, you know, maybe something set in a contemporary era just doesn't really do or maybe not even set in a contemporary area, but. Just something that doesn't use these kind of out there ideas, you know, sparking the imagination. And and that is something that Star Trek has excelled at for all these years is sparking the imaginations of not only writers to do new and interesting and different things with the world, but even in the real world. Like how many engineers do you hear say they were inspired by watching Scotty or doctors saying they were inspired by Dr. McCoy or Dr. Crusher? You know, I, I I love those stories of people who went into like the sciences because of something they saw on Star Trek and, you know, all these writers who are now writing for Star Trek, who were inspired by watching it as kids. Like there's something about science fiction that just adds fuel to that fire of creativity that explodes across the world. And, And Star Trek is just the greatest example of that. I, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and it inspires us in our daily lives, you know, for you and me. Not to, you know, it doesn't always have to be connected to a career or anything like that. But just how we are about how we handle ourselves around other people, and how we handle ourselves with dignity, and how we handle ourselves in our own lives. I mean, there's probably not a day that goes by where I don't think I make a de- where I don't make a decision where I'm not thinking about Star Trek in some manner or its influence on me or the way I think of things and think through things, you know, especially when I'm firing a phaser, but. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that definitely comes into play in those moments for sure. (laughs) Well, one thing I wanted to talk about with regards to strange new worlds is with that title and with some of the stuff that was said in the initial announcement video, specifically by Anson Mount. We had kind of been speculating that this would be a bit of a return to an older style of Star Trek storytelling. Anson Mount called it a classic Star Trek series. And a lot of people kind of took that to mean that it would be telling more standalone stories, less of an overarching season arc kind of planet, slash monster of the week type story. Now, there's also been a recent interview with Variety in which uh, Strange New World's writer and producer Akiva Goldsman talks a little bit about this. And this seems to be kind of a confirmation of that idea. So one of the things he says is, we're going to try to hearken back to some classical Trek values to be optimistic and to be more episodic. Obviously, we will take advantage of the serialized nature of character and story building, but I think our plots will be more closed-ended than you've seen in either Discovery or Picard. And he goes on to say that, you know, things happen to people in Star Trek episodes in the past that, you know, the next week comes along and they're totally fine. They've completely forgotten about it. On the live show, for example, we recently watched the two-parter Chain of Command And Picard goes through some horrific things in those episodes. And of course, the next week they're dealing with Moriarty on the holodeck and everyone's fine. You know, it it doesn't come up again. It sounds like what they're going for is kind of striking a balance between episodic and standalone and the more serialized stuff. So I, I like that they're making this effort to change things up and give us a yet another different flavor of Star Trek.
2: Yeah, I do too. And I think this is something we need, that kind of variety. We have more serialized series that are in development and we've been watching as they've come out in Picard and Discovery. And now we have this one, which can be more episodic. I do think, yeah, they're going to string some themes and situations along into other episodes. But for the most part, they'll be standalone episodes. And how many times have we heard people talk about Voyager? It's like, oh, Voyager's all damaged and they're in the Delta Quadrant. The next day, oh, it looks perfect. The next episode, it looks clean and buffed and shined and <laughs> everything like that. You know, those a lot of those series are also a product of their time because first 50 so years of television or 60 years or so, the industry started to realize that they can can make money off of the reruns. In syndication of things, and so because they're sending out the episodes to TV stations, that doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to be aired in order. So th- there was a time where they didn't want to make it serialized because it would be harder to sell to TV stations and harder to play in that environment. There's some exceptions to that. You know, there was shows like Dallas and Dynasty that kind of worked more like soap operas and stuff. But, um, but, and then as we've gotten to more streaming media and VOD, video on demand, now people are doing more of that binge watching thing. So now if you're going to watch Star Trek Picard, you're going to a service and there's all the episodes so you can watch them in order. A TV station isn't putting one episode on and then the next episode on and they're out of order and you don't know what's happening, <laughs> you know, because it's not making any sense because all the episodes are out of order. You don't have that situation now. So... Taking a dramatic produced television series and putting them into syndication for TV networks and stations isn't happening as often now as it is now that they're going into streaming services. But going back to this, you know, more episodic, that works too, of course. And I think that is trying to go back to that old school type of storytelling in Star Trek because there are people that really want that and we all relate to it as Star Trek fans. So we want a bit of both. We want different flavors. Give me something serialized. Give me something episodic. Give me short bits of things. Call it short treks. I don't know, whatever, you know? So that medium that we're in now allows us the opportunity to experiment and do different things that we could have never done on network television because you always had to follow the same model. And now we don't have to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the expectation is, generally speaking, not everyone is expected to watch every version of Star Trek. There's going to be big segments of the population that really love Star Trek Discovery. There's going to be other segments of the population that really love Lower Decks. Now, there's the the huge Star Trek fans like you and me and others that we might be able to name that are going to watch every single episode of everything but i love that they're kind of spreading things out and saying you know if this is not to your taste you can watch something else and that sort of thing and if you're a huge fan of the older star trek and that's the only ones you like and you don't like these new serialized ones well here's a new flavor for you that might remind you of that older stuff and might be more appealing to your taste. I I love that because that's valid. I mean, people don't like things for various reasons and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're nice about it and all that kind of stuff, you know, keeping in with our theme positively track. But I, I don't think variety is a bad thing. I think this is a great move on their part.
2: Yeah, because in the old days of television, you're going to produce a Star Trek series and you want it to appeal to as broad of an audience as you can. And that's what TV stations and the networks are expecting. Now you've got a streaming service like CBS All Access here in the United States that they're trying to get people to subscribe to and not only subscribe to, but retain those customers. And so now you don't have to appeal to an entire broad audience In a time slot, you can say, okay, we're going to give you a buffet of items. And the more things we can put on the buffet, maybe, you know, this item appeals more to you and that item appeals more to that person. But that's fine because we want to touch every person in some manner so they stick with the service. So we know there's a whole base of people out there that are hardcore and light Star Trek fans that would like to see Star Trek. But you know, Discovery isn't going to appeal to everybody and Picard's not going to appeal to everybody, but that's fine. But we also have heard a lot of people saying like, I want my old type of Star Trek. I want that type of Star Trek. Okay, fine. We'll put that in there too, because we don't have a network going, no, 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 no. I don't have enough time slots for all these Star Treks. And I want to appeal to the biggest science possible. And what you're developing may only appeal to an older generation and the younger wants more of this or whatever. It's like, fine, I'll give you it all. I'll give you all kinds of situations And we'll bring them all into this app and they'll pay for it and they'll stay with it. So it's not just about Star Trek, but they're trying to develop other content to add into the service. Even to the point that now that Viacom CBS is an entity that those two companies have merged together again, uh, CBS All Access just put an entire library of the Paramount movies on their CBS All Access service. And now they're getting ready to put things from Nickelodeon and their other TV properties into the service. They're about to rebrand the service. This is really about building a streaming service in the States. So like we're, with you in Canada and people in other places, you, you benefit from that creation of this app in the States to create the content. But then it's developed and sent out to different platforms, whether it be Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, you know, which is another revenue opportunity for them. So there's, it's just a whole new play in this industry of how this stuff works in the video side of things. And yes, I'm in the middle of it now. You know why I've been talking to lawyers and doing, dealing with contracts because it's all about this kind of stuff. (laughs) Oh man.
1: Well, I love the model because it's giving us some really creative, interesting stuff. And, and, Again, you know, people might jump on me. I'm not saying that it never used to be creative and interesting. I just I love when things go in new and different directions, and I think this is just yet another manifestation of that.
2: But isn't that what we like as Star Trek fans? That's what I don't understand. If you always want the same kind of thing told the same kind of way all the time, we're about exploring strange new worlds. That's the name of this series. Like, I want something different. Like, every time we get a new series, it's like going to a new planet. Like, you know, the species aren't aren't all going to be the same and their culture's not all going to be the same. Things aren't always going to be the same. Give me a Star Trek that's a little different here or there, but still respects the brand of Star Trek. It still respects the canon of Star Trek. It still respects the whole idea of Star Trek. And some people will argue, well, Picard doesn't necessarily respect that. I've heard a lot of arguments on that. It does. It's just in a different way, you know, and maybe it goes a little too far one way for you or another, but it's still being true to it.
1: Absolutely. And with that in mind, like that, that idea of new and different things from Star Trek, I wanted to close out with a tweet from Captain Pikachu at Pika Highness on Twitter, uh, who tweeted, We are so lucky to have a variety of new Star Trek shows. Star Trek Discovery is a space epic. Star Trek Picard is a character study. Star Trek Lower Decks will be the forgotten side of Starfleet. Se- Star Trek Section Thirty-One is spies and intrigue. Star Trek Strange New Worlds
2: is a call to adventure,
1: and I love that. I think that's brilliant. That's perfect. Yeah,
2: that's absolutely it. So, it's just like Law and Order. You don't have to watch every Law and Order, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> there's so many of those. But yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. It's it's a menu. I mean, as Star Trek fans, I'm sure a lot of us feel that. Well, I want to see every. S- Things Star Trek. I don't want to walk away or not watch a certain Star Trek thing. But if you don't enjoy it, then just accept the fact that you don't enjoy it and move on. I mean, I grew up loving Superman, but I could not get into the series Lois and Clark. I just, it didn't work for me. I didn't complain about it, I just didn't get into it. So I didn't watch it. Now, these years later, I kind of want to go back and watch it just to see what I think of it. The thing I've struggled with is the name of the series. I love the name of the series, but I hate the fact that we had a bunch of books that came out for years called Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So now anybody who looks for one of those books is going to say, oh, look, here's a Strange New Worlds book. Wait, where's Pike? Where's number one? Where's Spock? Because it's all about the other series, and not that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I love the title it's better than anything i think i could have come up with but it does yeah as a book fan in the back of my mind i'm like oh but those books yeah so <laughs> it's the same title it's
2: a bit confusing i don't know well they're not publishing those anymore i guess but they're still available online i guess you know used or as ebooks But, but the other thing I just want to mention before we close out, I'm really excited about the character of number one because of our three primary characters. And I don't know if we're going to get the other characters, by the way, I'm assuming we might see what Tyler and Colt and Boyce maybe in this, you know, but what I'm excited about is we already know the fate of Spock and Pike. We don't know the fate of number one. So that's wide open to do something with that character. And I'm just curious to see where she ends up at the end of this.
1: Yeah, one of the most, I think, enigmatic characters and intriguing characters that, you know, even from just watching The Cage or The Menagerie, you kind of always wonder, like, who is this character? I want to know more about her. And we got a bit of her in Discovery, and that was cool. But I think she might be for me, one of the big breakouts of Strange New Worlds because of just how interesting that character is and how little we really know about her.
2: Yeah. And I wonder how close they'll keep to kind of the Bible from the cage of this character and the novel uh, Vulcan's Glory that DC Fontana wrote about this character. Uh, that gave backstory because that apparently that was the backstory that they were considering to use for this character back in the day when they're doing the original series. So I wonder how much they'll stick to that. Definitely
1: more unanswered questions that may be answered soon. So definitely looking forward to that. Well, we want to hear your thoughts about strange new worlds or anything else we've been talking about on positively Trek. Tweet to us at Positively Trek on Twitter. You can also contact us by email, positively trek at gmail.com is where you can find us there. And of course, we have a Facebook group. Just search Positively Trek on Facebook. We've been getting a few new members lately. I want to see more people in that group. It's a lot of fun. I'm loving the things that people are sharing and discussing there. So join us, won't you? We'd love to have you. You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Productions.
2: And you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline and then Rex. And uh, yeah, I'm just out there. Find me there. I'm also in the Star Wars Report. And any other thing I do is with Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you're not
1: sick of me yet, but I, I, I'm enjoying the fact that you're not.
2: <laughs> oh, you, you'll get sick of me before I get sick of you. I doubt that.